0: Do you or someone you love obsess over the Habs and they aren't even a fan of the team? Is your social media filled with old jokes and pathetic attempts at trolling? Then you have HOD, Habs Obsessive Disorder. From the makers of Bergie Arms comes 3 to 1. 3 to 1 is specially formulated to cause a temporary choking sensation, which will remind you that your team hasn't won a playoff series since the invention of HD television. Side effects may include. A desire to shave your head and grow a goatee, a lack of fashion sense, an uncontrollable urge to say, but Tavares was hurt, pretending every head coach this century doesn't call your team soft, an uncontrollable urge to choke in the playoffs, and a realization that your ability to have an inferiority complex while simultaneously being obnoxious while never winning is why you're found undesirable. Ask your doctor if three to one is right for you. And welcome to Habs Unfiltered, episode 233. I'm your host, Blaine Pudve, and I'm joined now by a special guest. Her name is Christy Flannery. She is the Hockey Writers New Jersey Devils correspondent. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me. Happy to be here.
0: Oh, I'm really excited to have you on. Um, I've been sharing a lot of your stuff recently, and I really enjoy it. So I'm, an, I'm hoping my readers and my followers have been Picking up on it and helping out with that. Oh,
1: thank you. Um, Me too.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Got to pick up those pennies. Yeah, all day. Um, So, I brought you on mainly to talk about the Devils and the Canadians game that's going to be coming up in a few hours. This is kind of a pre-game discussion, but with a twist. We're gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna pick your brain a little bit on the on your rebuild and some ex-Canadians who have come in. So why don't we just start right off the bat and give us a little bit of a breakdown of the New Jersey Devils and the, the, the expected lineup based that basically because they played last night.
1: Okay, so the Devils had an optional morning skate this morning, so there is not a confirmed lineup. I do know from last night in Ottawa, it was Sharon Govish, Heechler and Bratt, Boquist, Zaka, VC, Janssen, Mercer, Tatar, who you're very familiar with. And then Quoken in McLeod and Bastion up front. Uh, the defense pairing has been the same. We're still without Dougie Hamilton, which is a big blow, not necessarily to like the defensive game, but obviously to the power play and the offensive game. You know, there you can't really replace a Dougie Hamilton. Um, my only real complaint is the Devils have had a hard time finding consistent offense um, from any of their lines, really, not just one. And the one line that had a a lot of success for New Jersey early on was the Johnson Mercer Brat line. And I don't know if any, if, you know, your listeners know this, The Brat is having a career season in New Jersey. He's performing very well and that trio performed very well. And after last night being held to only one goal, it really made me question why this line has not been put back together.
0: Yeah. The, uh, the, we have problems in Montreal when it comes to, line combinations there is a a definite problem with how the coach puts lines together and it's been a a long discussion so the the line Mm -hmm. blender hits and you just don't know what's going to happen now I've been following Bratton and and Mercer because Mercer was a QMJHL product and
1: yes you
0: know we we cover the Canadians and the Quebec League pretty well on my show and well to be honest it's not often you get to watch a Newfoundlander play NHL hockey and we're pretty proud to see him out here us Atlantic Canadians. Yeah. So, but we'll just go from there. And how did COVID impact New Jersey recently?
1: I mean, the first half of the season, I think it was the end of November, December, they got killed with COVID. I think there might have been only one player that did not test positive during that time. So it definitely was a struggle. And I think it kind of speaks to the overall theme for the Devils this season, which is really they haven't found consistency. And that just means like on ice production, just consistency in the lineup because there were kids possibly, you know, going in and out. Um, and right now we only have one player on COVID protocol, which is Jack Hughes, which really isn't a surprise after, I guess, a weekend in Vegas. It, you know, you we weren't really completely shocked when he came back positive. Um, but but I, thought, the devil, I
0: thought everything that happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. What the hell happened? Not there? COVID.
1: We found found the exception <laughs> to the rule. COVID, COVID does and not stay in Vegas. Yep. They, they'll stick with you. So, <laughs> but the team's on a seven game losing streak and they haven't been winning with Jack Hughes in the lineup and, you know, teams face adversity. You need to be better. So...
0: Now, the game against Ottawa last night, they um, they didn't look too good. No. What do you feel they're going to try and do differently to uh, motivate themselves to play against the bottom-feeding Montreal Canadiens?
1: <laughs> I like how you said that. Uh, well, Coach Rob talked to the media and... He's trying to kind of tweak the game because right now, no surprise, goaltending has been an issue. Blackwood is on injured reserve. Jonathan Bernier is done for the season. And I think six or seven goaltenders have suited up for the Devils and we're only at the halfway point. So goaltending has been a major issue. And I think what we're kind of learning is that the team needs to tweak their game to protect their goaltenders. Because last night, Nico Dawes, who was playing his third NHL game allowed, I think it was three or four goals on 12 shots. And you don't see the flurries and, you know, the Rangers goaltender, like they're not giving up those kinds of numbers. And at this point, we know that that's a weakness for the team and you need to do something to kind of keep the shooters away from the goaltenders for a lack of better words. So that's kind of their, that's going to be one of their strategies going into this game is to just limit Montreal from getting the shots off and getting really anywhere near the goaltenders.
0: Now, do the Devils have the defense that can keep uh, for, uh, forwards coming into the slot?
1: Oh, what a great question. Um, I really, Siegenthaler's been a pleasant surprise for New Jersey. I think if you ask anyone that really watches the team, they'd say that he was probably the most consistent um, on the back end. You know, Graves has been a really great acquisition. I just feel like for the Devils, and it's been like this for a long time, instead of depending on four or five guys, they're looking to really put every, all the work on one or two. And with Hamilton out, you know, Severson's been playing a lot of minutes, but Severson's more of an offensive forward. And I know a lot of fans have, you know, issues with him, but the one game he played like 29 or 30 minutes. So he's been a workhorse in Dougie Hamilton's absence. Uh, To answer your question, I don't know. It it depends on the night, I guess. It depends which team you're going to see.
0: So it definitely wouldn't be PK Subin, for instance.
1: Oh, I, (laughs) I feel like, In the past, I've talked about Subban and I feel like it comes across negative, but I don't mean it to be negative. He was a player that came to New Jersey and fans immediately thought he was going to be the solution to the devil's blue line. And that was just not going to happen. Just like Dougie Hamilton is not the solution to the devil's blue line. And I feel like Subban's almost performing better this season because he has that extra support with Graves and Hamilton. Like he's not the guy that's going to carry the defense. And I think he's doing better as more of a depth piece even though I still think that he not, I don't think a team is going to trade for him because of his contract, but he would be a really good depth piece for a Stanley cup contending team. Uh,
0: I have a feeling that tonight, well, tonight he's playing his 800 NHL game, which is a, a great accomplishment. So mm-hmm. congratulations to PK on that. But I think New Jersey fans are going to see the PK subin of old, because he's going to be in Montreal for the first time in a couple of years. And he absolutely adores showing off in that city. (laughs) I'm kind of worried about what kind of, like how dominant of a game he might have tonight.
1: It'll be interesting to see how many minutes he has. Cause I know last night he had maybe the second, so I think White had about 16 minutes of play. And I think Saban was like second lowest with like 18 minutes or something like that. So it'll be interesting to see how many minutes he's actually going to have.
0: So he's well-rested.
1: Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Well, yeah, we'll spin it that way. He's well rested. To, to yeah, face.
0: They, they prepared, they saved him for this game.
1: Well, would you want, I saw a couple things online about, you know, Montreal potentially trading to get him back. Do you think that makes sense? Because I personally don't.
0: No, no, wh- no. Why, why would Montreal trade for him? It why give no up sense. assets?
1: No, no, now, it makes no
0: sense. Signing him as a free agent. I could see, I still don't think it would be a good, a great fit, but yeah, I mean, you're not giving up assets in that that scenario. No. And, your and you're not, yeah. not paying him 9 million, a 9 year. million.
1: Cause that's the, yeah. And you can't blame the players for getting 9 million. You got to blame yeah. the team that's sitting down saying, yeah, we'll agree to that contract.
0: Well, I mean, he had won a Norris trophy just before winning that assigning uh, that. So,
1: but you know what? It's like Melissa Boyd said on my podcast, shout out to Mel players get paid for what they've done in the past and not what they're going to do in the future.
0: That, that has been something that the NHL is bad for so, they seem to be shifting away from that now paying more for um potential yeah so nico he is a good example of that someone who's had he's only had a couple of 50 point seasons but mm-hmm. a lot is expected from him so he got himself a very good long-term yeah. contract
1: yeah and it's, listen, I can't imagine it being easy for a first-time young captain to captain this team. Like, I give Nico all the credit in the world for going up to that podium, talking to media after the game, being extremely respectful, answering all of his questions, because it can't be easy. So I, I really, I appreciate Nico and how he's handling himself in the situation.
0: Now, on Nico, um, being in Halifax, I've mm-hmm. seen him play in junior. Huge fan of his. Loved his game here. I'm wishing him nothing but continued success. In Montreal, however, um, one of the Francophone talking heads mentioned (laughs) trading for him and trading Caulfield for him. How little sense does that make for New Jersey?
1: The only thing I have to say is absolutely not. Like, no, absolutely not. I think the only appeal that and I, I did see a lot of Devils fans react to this online and they all said, there's like, there's no point. And I'm not saying Cole Caulfield's a bad player. Cause he's absolutely not. And I think the only appeal, which might be like a 5% appeal is that he could finally be the winger that Jack Hughes needs, but Nico provides so much more to this team. Like, absolutely not. Like I, no, I just, no, this is the only thing I can say about that.
0: No. <laughs> well, I mean, you have a very good center line coming up for the future. You have Uh, Hughes is there Mm -hmm. as who would be an excellent second line center behind he Mercer is showing to be uh, to be something that will be very beneficial in the future I mean he's only in his rookie season, Mm -hmm. and and despite the inconsistencies he's putting up some points, and he's playing a physical style.
1: Yeah, and we can't forget. I know the point production's not there, but Michael McLeod is a top five centerman in the league, and he's not getting the credit that he deserves. I'm not saying he's going to put up a lot of points, but in the faceoff circle, the man has been phenomenal this season.
0: Now, what kind of uh, what kind of um, attack are you expecting out of that bottom six tonight?
1: It's, it's so hard to even predict because I feel like there's two Devils teams. It's the one you saw last night in Ottawa, or it's the team that can compete against the best and play a phenomenal game, play everything perfect. So it really is a matter of which team are you going to get. Obviously, confidence is extremely low right now because it, potentially they could be losing eight in a row. So it's so hard for me to tell. The bottom six, listen, this is not Tampa Bay Lightning's bottom six when they won back-to-back Stanley Cups. This is not that. Um, So, yeah, I don't even know what to say. I really don't. You just got to have to, you're going to have to see what Mer- Mercer's always going to try. Mercer's always going to give you 100%. You know, him and Janssen, they can get something going together. I think Tatar's probably been a surprise. I think people expected more out of him as far as point production this season. I think they expected him to be a top six and not a bottom six, but here we are for right now.
0: Yeah. He's been the last couple of years. He's, he's had slow starts.
1: Yeah. It's just the and, inconsistency, but that's the whole team. Yeah. Well, that
0: part for the course of Montreal as well. Yeah. Um, now who do you feel would be put up against in a matchup with Suzuki? He's the top centerman in Montreal. And if you want to shut down what little offense the Canadians have, that's where you go. So who do you feel is going to be the, the matchup there?
1: I feel like to shut them down, it should be McLeod and Bastion because McLeod's, you know, the best centerman on the team. Those two combined have the best, have the most hits on the team. So if we're talking a shutdown line, I would think it would be McLeod, Bastion, and uh, Quakenin. But Ruff might just go, you know, best against best, and might put sure out there against them.
0: What uh, what defensive pairing do you feel that he would try and get out there though? Because I've noticed a lot of a lot of his games, he likes to set up his defensive pairings as a shutdown Mm -hmm. versus the lines
1: um it would it would probably be Siegenthaler and Severson because actually yesterday Graves dropped um he was the part of the third pairing yesterday with Colton White um so I would say he's going to have Siegenthaler out there that's I think our most consistent defensive defenseman that we have
0: yeah okay now you guys are just starting to come out of your rebuild Montreal is about to dive in headfirst unexpectedly into some form of a rebuild. Yeah. How has it gone in the swamp?
1: Um, I think it's funny because I think if you ask most fans when the rebuild started, they would say right after their Stanley cup final run, which was 2012 in reality, this, the rebuild really started in the 2016-17 season. And if you look at that roster, there's only three players left from that team. And that's Zaka, Wood, and Severson. Um, You know, I think it's been a frustrating rebuild for fans. Um, I don't think it's really been an easy one, especially when you look at what the Rangers put together and what seems like the blink of an eye and all of a sudden they're a contending team. It's... I think it's tough because it seems like it's the never ending rebuild and a lot, there was a lot of high expectations. I'm actually writing an article about this. Now there was a lot of expectations going into this season. Cause once again, fans were like, Oh, we had Dougie Hamilton. This is a Stanley cup contending team. No, it is not. This was not a Stanley cup contending team in September, October, or now we're in February. It's just not, are they on the right track? Yeah. And I think for right now, the future does look bright between Holtz being in the AHL Dawson Mercer coming up. It's a very young team, but you're going to have growing pains that go with it. So I think you fans need to have a little bit more patience. Um, And yeah, it seems like it's a never ending rebuild. I think if you're a fan in New Jersey or the swamp, as you said.
0: (laughs) Um, I was going to bring up the uh, player development. I know uh, noticing that uh, Laval and Utica just finished a bit of a, uh, like a home and home series that they had going Mm -hmm. on. And with Utica being right at the top of the division right now, Holtz looking amazing down there. Yeah. Um, How has the player development been run in the new management that they have?
1: It's interesting because I think it depends who you ask. I think some people feel that the development is terrible. Um, The thing with Holtz that I find very interesting is he's lighting it up in the AHL But when he comes up to the NHL, you could just tell he's not right. Like he's not quite there yet. His speed is kind of against him in the NHL. Like if he's in his, in like the offensive zone and he loses the puck, that defenseman's flying past him. Like he's not going to recover very well. And I feel like for a long time, and it kind of goes along with the rebuild is the Devils had a lot of players that were almost on the fringe. They were too good for the AHL, but they weren't quite ready for the NHL. And, you know, some people might look at that and say that, that it is the development, the development's not going well, that these players can light it up in the AHL, but have huge issues coming in to the NHL. So I think it really depends who you talk to. I think Holtz just needs more time. And when I think about his development, I think of Eli Tolbinin for the predators because Eli Tolbinin took a while. Like he didn't come up to the NHL right away, but now look at they're reaping all the rewards though. He's one of their best. He's really great on the power play. Holtz is going to be on the power play when he comes up here. So Again, I think what holds you really just need patience. He's not, I don't think he's NHL ready just yet to be like a main, a main, you know, player. Cause people want him up and they want him playing with Jack Hughes and they don't realize you can't do that to a kid. Jack Hughes is going up against the best of the best. Like he, you can't, that's, that, that's it's not going to help his development to do that and then get shut out or have this horrible experience just to get dropped back down to the AHL. I don't think that's going to be good for him either.
0: So- Management there is taking an approach with Holtz of patience. They're leaving him down there. Is that, is that their stated goal?
1: Um, They haven't really, I haven't really read anything that was definitive either way. I, the way the season's going, I could see him coming back up again. Um, But I don't think I, I agree that he was not ready like Dawson Mercer to play an entire season, in the NHL that I don't think he was ready for. So I do think that was the right decision.
0: Now, Holtz is coming over from Europe so he Mm -hmm. has that ability where they can put him in the AHL before he's 20 whereas Mercer because he's coming up from juniors in the CHL Mm can't how much of an impact is that with their approach
1: oh god I wish I hadn't answered that question I don't even know I, you know what it is? I don't, as bad as it sounds, I don't really pay attention to like the prospects and kind of like the development. I'm more, I'm more of a NHL only kind of focused. I guess that's like the box that I'm in. So yep. when people ask me about development, it kind of just throws me for a little bit of a loop and I just have to like fake it till you make it, you know? Um,
0: <laughs> I understand well, that part.
1: Yeah. I mean, I remember sitting in, uh, in the practice rank and I was actually sitting next to a Devils scout and it was like the first or second day of training camp. And nobody was expecting Mercer to make the team. They were expecting both Holt and Mercer to start in Utica. And he asked my opinion. I remember saying that Mercer is going to make a team. And he looked at me and he goes, he needs to play. He goes, that's the problem. Like, you're not going to break kid up and play like five minutes in an NHL game when he can play top minutes in the AHL. It's not good for their development, which is an excellent point. And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, I know. I said, but Mercer is going to make the team. So at least my instincts were right about that. But yeah, I just, I've had people talk to me on Twitter. I've had people say to me that Holtz belongs in the NHL. I don't, I don't know what the right solution is, but I do agree that he is where he belongs. Don't think I yeah. answered your question. but No,
0: it it, <laughs> it kind of does because I, the reason I'm asking these questions about Holtz is because I see a parallel between him and Cole Caulfield. He is, he is just so skilled and he, mm-hmm. he does so well in the AHL, but this year in the NHL, he looks lost.
1: Is so. this te- technically his sophomore season? Because was he in yeah. Montreal? Was he with the Canadians all last year? No. No, it was only like a handful of games at the end and in the playoffs.
0: Four games at the end of the season and then the playoffs.
1: So this is technically his like rookie, like his full season rookie. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, he, like, sure. he played the entire playoffs, well except for yeah. two games, but he looked amazing.
1: Yeah. Oh, no, he did. Everyone thought that he was going to be the Calder finalist this year. Like there was no point to even have like finalists. It was just going to go to him.
0: Yeah. And then the the Canadians curse hit. (laughs) And then everything Oh, the wheels came off that wagon in a hurry.
1: Yeah. But is it is do you give it a free pass when it's like, yes, the player struggling, but the whole team is struggling. Like, is that kind of more not necessarily putting the blame on him and his development? It's like, well, he's not doing well, but like, look who's who he's on the ice with. Like, no one's doing well. It's not like the team is a playoff team. And he individually is having this horrendous season where he needs to be sent down to uh, the minors.
0: And that's the debate in the uh, Canadians social media right now. Mm-hmm. Well, most of them are giving him a free pass saying, well, it's because the team sucks. Yeah. And meanwhile, some people are putting all the blame on him, but for the most part, the majority of them are saying, well, it's kind of both and he needs to build his confidence. So why, why ruin him by putting him on a fourth line in the NHL when you can leave him down in the HL where he can dominate a little bit.
1: I think there's something to be said about like the physical development, but also like the emotional and mental development. That's not really talked about as much. I just, there's like, this is a job for them this is their job. Like I, you know, some of us go to an office, this is their, this is their office. And is a player going to have a great night every single night? Absolutely not. But we also all know what it feels like to give it, to be given an assignment that's more than your normal workload or at a higher pay grade. And you got to think when you put a player in that's used to playing, let's say like bottom six minutes or like Alexander Holtz who plays top minutes, but in a completely different league, And then you expect him to say, hey, you're going to come up here and you're going to play top minutes with Jack Hughes. And then we're going to judge you because you're a top 10 pick. And if you don't perform well, we basically want you gone because that's how sports fans work. Like, it's not fair to do that.
0: No, but that's why they make the big money. Sadly,
1: but that that's why it's so easy to criticize because you look at these players and you look at like the opulent wealth that comes with their salary and it's like, they're not entitled to having a bad day. No,
0: they don't have that luxury. They really don't, they
1: can't, they can't have a bad day at the office. They're supposed to be on every single day. And I think people need to realize that these are humans and it's not just the physical development on the ice. It's everything else that comes with it to make sure that you're shaping them so that they are prepared in every asset, like everything, when they eventually come into the NHL and play those top minutes.
0: And you have the added, the added bonus, so to speak, that they're young. They're 20 years old. They're kids. Yeah. They're kids. I mean. I mean, I was a dad by then, but still
1: <laughs> military. It doesn't count. Does that's it right. Older? Yeah. When you're in the military and you have kids at 20, that's acceptable.
0: <laughs> you're, you're, a, you're an old man by that point.
1: Exactly. Yeah. You should be having but, like five at that point,
0: but 20 years old. I've, I've got a 24 year old that's, that's married living on her own that I still look at and go, oh my God, she's so immature. So you look at, you look at these guys, they're just kids. They, yeah. they need that They need that formation time to be, to be uh, more focused mentally and more consistent overall. And that's what you really need to be a pro at the NHL level.
1: And that's why I think the veterans are so important and having a good locker room is important, especially when you have a team that averages the age of 22 years old. I mean, you got to think about the average 20 year olds playing flip cup in a college dorm somewhere. These kids are out trying to make it in in a, you know, a very you know, a huge league, a lot of money, and it's also, you're in a spotlight. So there's going to be a lot of critique that comes with it.
0: Yeah. So who's the, who's the veteran presence for the devils?
1: Probably Subban. As far as age goes, it's Subban and Tatar. As far as the longevity of being with the devils, it would be Severson, Zaka, and Wood. And you have to keep in mind, they're not even 30 yet. They're in their twenties. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting. It, the dynamic of a locker room just fascinates me. It really does. Just how everything works and who players look up to. Like, you know, not every team can have a Patrick Marlowe that comes and is like, Oh, Hey, you can come live with me and my family. And like, we'll show you the ropes. Not everyone has that luxury. You just got to figure it out on your own.
0: No, that's, um, that's those intangibles that people tend to overlook. Yeah. It really does make a difference as talented as you are. If, if you're missing that, that stability or that consistency, it's really hard to build your, your, uh, your skill set onto a, a wobbly foundation.
1: Yeah. You need, you need everything. It's a lot of moving parts. When you really sit and dissect it, it's a lot of moving parts. Yeah.
0: Now, how has COVID affected the experience in the building in New Jersey? Have is, is it still getting filled up or are there, there's some holdback
1: Think it's any more or less. Prudential Center was never an arena. I think that was really sold out consistently. Anyway, i lot. It, it's an arena where because the Islanders, the Flyers, and the Rangers are so close, a lot of those fans come to Prudential because, to be honest, the tickets at Prudential are a lot cheaper than Madison Square Garden. So we get a lot of away fans at our arena. I one point in January they switched their COVID policy to being that you needed to be that you needed to show proof of vaccination to get into the arena the game that took place right after that mandate was put in it was kind of empty but i think people kind of expected it to go that way cuz you know people are going to have their feelings about you know the covid situation and the vaccines and everything like that but i feel like the last game i was at it was it was consistent i think for new jersey it's just not a popular it's you know it's new it's hard i think to get traction when you're next to an original 6 and there's so many other options to be a fan of it's not like they're in the middle of nowhere and that's just the only team to root for so it's, I don't think yeah. it's changed that much.
0: So it's, it's kind of back to what it was pre pandemic.
1: Yeah, maybe a little bit less, but I don't think it's not from like 13,000 to like 3000. I don't think it, it was anything that dramatic.
0: Do you think that they're all going to come back? There's going to be a full building once this, uh, they, they get that next step where they can actually be a playoff team.
1: It's so interesting. You know, it's, I talked to a couple fans for this article that I'm writing and a lot of season ticket holders, whether they've been a season ticket holder for one year or they've been a season ticket holder for 12 are really questioning if they want to renew next season. Cause it kind of goes back to this never ending rebuild. Like fans are really fed up with what's going on. And I guess the lack of communication, they feel they're not getting from the team, even though they're spending the money to have the season tickets. So it, The Devils are an interesting fan base. Like they're, they're a loyal bunch, but they're, they'll turn on you real quick. Like they have that small group of loyalty, but I don't know. You would think they would, but I know when they went to the Stanley cup final in 2012, it was a sold out arena every single night. But again, that's the Stanley cup final. Of course, it's going to be sold out. Um, so yeah, I would think once they get become competitive again, it's just right now, I don't see that happening. There would need to be a big turnaround.
0: So maybe a little bit of communication, uh, from management publicly saying, hey, this is where we're at. This is our plan coming up.
1: I I guess. I mean, I know Tom Fitzgerald, who's the general manager. He um, did an interview with NHL.com and he kind of said that at this point in the season, they were expecting to be competing at least for a wild card spot or a playoff spot. And obviously that is not the case right now. And I guess more they're looking kind of see what, I guess like the, what the Rangers did, how they basically wrote this open letter to their fans of like, we're trading everybody. We're starting from scratch. Like we're in a rebuild. Whereas in New Jersey, like I said, fans don't even really know when the rebuild officially started, which is why it seems like it's going on forever.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's kind of the, the juggling act that management teams have to make when they decide to do a rebuild, how long do you put into it? How much do you tell people? It's, it's, it's not an easy thing to do. I mean, fans of Montreal tend to think, Hey, it's so easy. Just tell us. And five years later, we're a cup winner.
1: Yeah. That's yeah. There's so, ma- like, like I said, there's so many moving parts and it's like when you're a ma- when you're in that management position, it's like, how much information do I owe the fans? Like, yes, these are the people that are, you know, buying and like, you know, that are buying tickets and seeing the team, but at the same time, like you have, there's a line of good communication, but you're not going to overshare either. So I guess it's, it's not, like, it's not easy. Everyone, everyone thinks things are really easy, but when you really think about it, it's not. So I guess fans would be happier if they got some kind of thing from management that said, look, the team, the season's not going the way we expected, but when your two top goaltenders are out, I mean, what the writing kind of on the wall there. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Sometimes you're, you're just, you're at the mercy of fate at times with the injuries yeah. and the COVID lists and
1: yeah, especially with COVID.
0: Oh, cool. mm-hmm.
1: cause you don't know you could, your whole team could miss like two or three weeks. That could be like very important. Like other teams can make that jump. So it's really a wild card yeah. of how it's going to end.
0: Yeah. And Canadians fans are well aware of that one. Seeing as how every single player with the exception of Suzuki has yeah. been out of the lineup. Yeah, it's crazy. It's nuts. It really is. <laughs> but before we and before we let you go, I just wanna I want you to tell my listeners where they can find your work.
1: Oh, oh, this is so much fun. So I share all my articles on my Twitter, which is oh my God, it's so funny. I just changed my Twitter handle. I don't even know what it is.
0: In stiletto's is. underscore yes. NHL.
1: Yes, that's what it is. I had no. I had to change it for something. And I was like, I don't know what I changed it to. I had like <laughs> three names in mind. I don't know which one I picked. But yeah, all my articles can be found there. I live tweet all the Devils games. So that's a lot of fun. You can come hang out with me there. I'm on Instagram, skating in stilettos, and of course, on the Hockey Writers website. And I also do the Morning Skate newsletter for the Hockey Writers, which is a lot of fun. So you should do that. That's your daily uh, news and entertainment. You
0: got into the exclusive club.
1: I I don't know how, but we're here. (laughs) (laughs) an original member.
0: There you go. You're also on, uh, chicks with sticks podcast with Mel. Yes,
1: So many. Yes. And then, and I'm on chicks and sticks. I try. The problem is this season, the devils play a lot of games on Thursdays when we record. So I'm not on as frequently as I would like to be, but even if I'm not on, you should listen to Hannah, Mariah and Mel, because they are outstanding. So that is a great show. It's a great show. You should listen. Uh,
0: so again, I want to thank you for coming on the show and and giving us a little bit of the, uh, the stiletto
1: anytime. Thank you for Um, having me and letting
0: me ramble. Hey, it's, it's nice to have someone other than me ramble on. That's
1: what they, that's what the hosts always say.
0: (laughs) Fair. But uh, again, thank you for coming on. And to my listeners, thank you very much for listening. We really appreciate your interaction. Uh, Send us your emails to HabsUnfiltered uh, at outlook.com. Check out HabsUnfiltered.net. And remember, if you were talking about it, so are we.